One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the place where we use music and memory and conversation to generate biography. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Tori Heathcote, better known by many as Way Too Tall Tori. Tori's a professional stilt walker and balloon artist. She's a graduate of the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City and has been involved in the entertainment industry for more than 25 years. In 2001, an audition in Orlando changed the course of her performing career when she became a stilt walker and balloon artist who has ever since entertained people at everything from small parties to football stadiums all across North America. Her past work includes the Boston Red Sox, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, the Fort Myers Miracle, Major League Baseball, and NHL All-Star Games, and NCAA Final Four Hoop City. She's worked at Disney World, Universal Studios, Fourth of July parades, corporate parties, and for Lee County Public Schools. Her bio says the list goes on and on just like her long legs. I met Tori through the Alliance for the Arts in Fort Myers, where she delighted my young daughter and her friends for years, but we hardly ever talked because she's always several feet taller than me and being swarmed by kids. So I'm really looking forward to hearing her song stories. Hey there, Tori. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing today? Very well. How tall are you stiltless? Stiltless, 5'2". How tall are you stilted? 8 Two. <laughs> wow. Could you be taller? Nope. <laughs> For safety reasons? Just they don't make them that they, big? My silts were built specifically for me, but they do make them bigger. So, But my, you choose not to? Choose not to. Did you have to work your way up to eight foot two? Absolutely not. No. Wow. <laughs> no. She's under 10 foot Tori. As, <laughs> right? as soon as I was hired, they put me right at... My stilts that are built for me, they're the same ones, but I got up and went. <laughs> same ones you've always had? Same ones. 18 years old. How, how do you get parts for them? <laughs> you know, I was going to stay on is, stilts for a little bit. I'm most so of curious. it is nuts and bolts. Yeah. So, you know, that's pretty much the only parts that really get replaced. Okay. Well, we'll come back to stilt walking later. Uh, what was the musical background of your childhood and where was that? Oh, my gosh. I had a great musical background. Um, So I was born in Portland, Maine, moved quickly out of Maine, and my family first lived in Buffalo, New York, Orchard Park, New York, and um, then moved to Northern Virginia and grew up in the Northern Virginia area until it was time for me to head off to school. How old were you? Like, when would the formative years when music entered your brain have been in those three geographic places? Do you know my earliest memory of music was my mom driving me to preschool, of all things. I still remember this. And we heard Tin Man by America. And it would come on, I'm sure because radio stations play the same music, same time of day usually. We would hear it either on my way there or on the way home. And we learned all the lyrics and we would sing it you know, early on. But that was my first musical memory of just really having a song that I connected with and loved and I still to this day sing. But And then growing up in Northern Virginia, my parents were huge music people, um, gigantic range of music from the Stones to the Beatles to Bob Dylan, Cat um, Stevens. Okay, so you, were, you had a rich background of music it as was a kid. A, it was such a rich background. Um, I don't think there was a, an area we really didn't hit 
my parents were huge music people, so there were albums, hundreds of albums in my house. Did they have each a band that was their band that wasn't the other one's band? Yes. Well, my dad was definitely a Beatles guy, so he had all of the Beatles albums. Um, my mom liked the Beatles, but it was that was his thing. My mom probably, well, as the 70s rolled on, probably more like Barry Manilow and the Carpenters. Those aren't the Beatles. Those are not the <laughs> Beatles. Very different. I love both of them for different reasons, but, you know, she definitely liked the Carpenters and Captain and Tennille and those those bands. Uh, instruments being played around you or by you when you were a kid? Strangely enough, no. My We were more of a dancing, singing family. So tap dancing, if you call that an instrument. Um, my mom was a huge tap dancer, ran a dance school. So Did you do tap, tap as a child? I did. I um, <laughs> Good question, Richard. That's a great question. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. Yes. So my mom uh, ran a dance school in Northern Virginia. And, you know, the variety of music that I grew up with was so crazy. From You know, I just said the Beatles and all that. But also show tunes. That was my introduction to show tunes. My mom had pretty much every single Broadway cast album of every show known to man because we were tapping and doing jazz. And so I started dancing at the age of three. Wow. And, you know, so musical theater kind of was a huge um, part of my musical background. What song did you tap to that you remember? Oh, my gosh. My very first tap recital was on the Good Ship Lollipop. Ah. <laughs> And insert that here. (laughs) And I had broken my arm um, a couple weeks before the recital. Gosh, I remember this. And there's a picture of me in my dance costume with a cast. So, yep, good old Shirley Temple. But Uh, so this is weird. But does can you tap? Not you. Can a person tap? On stilts? That's what I was going to ask. Like, what would happen if you put stilts, oh, tap shoes on stilts? Seems like a recipe for disaster to it me. It's dangerous, I but, mean, but then a lot of cool things are dangerous. You know, I dance a lot on my stilts. Um, I've never tried. I've got Converse sneakers that are on the, uh, the bottom oh, of my stilts. Yes. So I could probably attach some taps. I should try it sometime. Let us know. I will totally keep you posted. Um, yeah, I'm not no. responsible if, yeah, if no. Tori goes through like a window or something tapping on her stilts. Oh, my gosh. What was the first band you identified with? Oh, for sure. I would definitely say Chicago. Um, you know, I lived in the 70s. I mean, I the 70s were a rich part of my growing up and formative years. So um, definitely Chicago. My mom was a huge Barry Manilow fan, too, so... That was in there too, but Chicago really was a was a big one in our house. First music you owned? I bought a forty five of Hotline. What's that? It is some seventies disco song. It's like Hotline, Hotline. Wow, I don't. <laughs> we should pull it up. You yeah. need to pull up Hotline. I'm it's hysterical. On the I can remember looking through all the out al- the records in a record store and grabbing that one. I don't even know why I grabbed it. I was probably seven. <laughs> By the Silvers, but spelled S-Y-L-V-E-R. Especially, you should play it. (laughs) Oh, we're doing it. All right. Tori's first 45. There was lots of dancing in my bedroom with a song. I am not joking. 
Do you ever dance to this on stilts? I have not. <laughs> Disco stilts. Disco stilts. I'm calling on the hotline for your number. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it was 70s, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and what format was it? I had a 45. A 45. Okay. Uh, last uh, question before we get to your first song is, do you remember the first song you slow danced to? Oh, yes. I mean... I was a late bloomer. Well, no, in high school, I mean, I slow danced to, oh, gosh. Actually, maybe I don't. It was a Peter Cetera song, Starring Homecoming. What is it? From the Karate uh, Kid movie? The Karate or Kid one. What is that? Um, <laughs> this, is, no, this is a recurring uh, theme. Uh, hold on. Yeah. Wait a minute. Power of Love? Power of yeah. Love? <laughs> <laughs> we just had somebody. So no. I don't know if it was, was it their first dance. Um, I think it was. It was. Yeah. Well, oh my maybe gosh. they danced together. <laughs> I think it was John Michaels. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. Okay, it's time for your first song. You mentioned this band before. Oh yeah. It's how, a good one. How would you like to handle the storytelling versus listening? You know, how about this one? We'll talk first. Okay. So I picked Chicago, um, which was a huge band in my family. And twenty five or sixty four is the song. This was tough, though, to pick a single song off of this one because we took huge, huge road trips as a kid. Um, my grandparents lived in Maine, and twice a year, my family would jump in my family's country squire station wagon. What color was it? Blue with wood panel. We had a diesel blue wagon in the early 80s. And with wood panel. This one didn't have color. Oh, and it was blue. Um, I mean, gosh, I can close my eyes and picture the the station wagon, which ended up, by the way, being my first car I drove, um, and blue vinyl seats. Did it have a back seat that faced back? Oh, it had the way back. Okay. They faced each other. <laughs> yeah. The two seats in the back faced each other. That was a treat when you got to ride in the way back. Um, but, you know, these road trips were just, it just, everything comes back to me, floods of just excitement to get to Maine, to visit my grandparents. You know, my mom packing our lunch to stop halfway to Maine and driving over the George Washington Bridge and seeing the skyline, you know. But what is funny about this was this was on an eight track. So my family had five eight tracks. And that was our station wagon had an eight track. What were the other ones? Oh, I can list them because we, it is Lou Rawls. Oh, I thought you meant you had... No. Tra- had that many eight-track oh, players. No. I'm no, like, wow. <laughs> you had no. one in the kitchen and one in the living room. And, <laughs> and I like how it did your like, list. That's of, why oh, I was yeah. like, I got to oh, know where, where, why you needed so many oh, eight-track players. <laughs> Although we did we did have two in our house. Okay. But, I mean, no, the, the eight-tracks that we had, the cassettes, were Lou Rawls, The Carpenter's Greatest Hits, Barry Manilow, Captain and Tennille, and did I say Chicago? And Chicago but... They would be on a constant loop. So one would come out, the next one would go in. So I have this, you know, every time any of those songs come up, whenever I hear it, I automatically zap back to the back of a station wagon. My younger sister and I fighting over the space in the back, which was big. It was just my sister and I. But my mom had a tape, put a piece of tape between us <laughs> so we wouldn't cross over each other's line. And, uh, yeah, so this song just brings back road trip memories. Well, let's uh, listen to it through that lens. You're in the way back of the uh, the blue station wagon. Um, my, my mom's, or our three eight-tracks were Barry Manilow, Barbra Streisand, and Neil Diamond. Nice. <laughs> so, 
Uh, this is, and by the way, the name of this song confused me when you sent me the thing. You said 25 or 6 to 4, and I'm like, well, which which is it? Are those song names? Uh, what's going on here? I didn't understand. That so is the, the title, right? Yes, it is. Oh, no, oh. it is. It's just out of context. I had no idea what I was looking at. This is 25 or 6 to 4 by Chicago off their 1970 self-titled album. Epic. That's epic. <laughs> I love that song. I don't know if I would have known that. I knew that song. I recognized it. But I don't know if I think I knew that was Chicago. Oh, such a great song. That whole that whole greatest hits, not A-track, but album, that su- every one of those songs is just so good. It's just rich with horns, and I'm. it's just great album. Were there any memories that were floating to the surface while you were thinking about your road trips when it, you were a kid while listening to it with us? Yeah, you know what? It it did because I mean, it's not the best one. I mean, we we did these road trips for year, I mean, since the time I was little, but when my parents got divorced, you know, we stopped doing those road trips. So, I was like, "Oh, you know, kind of brought me back a little bit." I always feel it as being great and whatever, but I was sitting there going, oh, the road trips ended when my parents got divorced. Mm. But, you know. You have kid, kids? I do. I have two. I think, I mean, I knew there was a kid at least. That's why I asked you like that. I've got two. How old are they? <laughs> I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 10-year-old son. So. What music would they associate with you? Oh, probably anything show tunes. My poor children. Well, you know, no, that's not true. I, I'm really kind of a broad um, broad cloth when it comes to music, too. I mean, my son's favorite song is Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. Oh, wow. wow. Huge Stevie Wonder fan. Um, but then on the flip side, he can sing a song from Oklahoma, the musical Oklahoma. Um, they would probably – they would – Probably say something show tune associated with me. That's usually in my car most of the time. Doing doing road tripping. Doing road tripping. I mean, it's been a while, maybe, but I road trip with them. I and I road trip with them. Not I haven't obviously this summer, but I do road trip with them. Any one you could think about that was the best one? Um. Oh gosh, not really. No. Not really. They're all great. I mean, they're all great. I, I just introduced them to big hair bands of the '80s. So they're now listening to um, – I've got them listening to Metallica and, you know, <laughs> White – I mean, you know, Guns N' Roses. So they're kind of getting introduced to that genre. What's it like to have a mom as a stilt walker? You know, it's cool up until you get to middle school. <laughs> That's perfect. My, and it'll be cool again like at like 22. <laughs> probably. I don't know if I'll still be doing it then. I mean, I'm getting to that point. You know – when I got to my daughter got to middle school, she was like, "You're not going to still walk at my school, right?" Oh, and I was like, "No, I wouldn't do that." You didn't say a gig's oh. a gig. I mean, <laughs> you bet I'm going to show up right at the principal's office. Um, I have not still walked at her school. You know, and now that she's in high school, she thinks it's still. You know, now I'm kind of cool again, but you know, they think I'm pretty cool. Um, what song have you listened to the most in your life? Hmm. That's probably a tough one. I would probably oh, – gosh, that's a trick question. Oh, really? You know, probably something Beatles. Um, I love Let It Be. Love Let It Be. And probably Imagine, actually. those are. I, I'm a real huge Beatles fan. Um, I like those two a lot. How do you listen to music these days? 
Um, usually, I'm so old school. I do have a um, I do have a record player, so I've got quite a few albums. And my dad's original, my, his collection of Beatles I stuff. I was gonna say, yes, yeah, so you inherited that. I did. Um, so I really do love my my LPs. I I put it on, but you know, typically I'm driving around from errands and things, so it's usually in the car, and I have Sirius Radio. Okay, so, so satellite radio. Satellite radio. So, yep, I go. I'm I'm between the Broadway Channel, the, you know, kids, you know, not dirty music, and my big hair, music, <laughs> is is what's what's currently playing. Have you seen Richard? So I just wanted to, there's a there's a mashup of of twenty five or six to four. Yes. With when I'm sixty four. <gasps> Uh, yeah, so there's a there's a musician named Jonathan Coulton, who's like a he's like a programmer nerd guy who left that world to become a musician. Oh my god! He made it big. He's uh, one of my favorite musicians, and he has this wonderful like kind of techno-y mashup of those two songs. Oh my gosh, that would be my dream to, song. I think we're about to hear it. How fun is that? I think you're gonna like it. Will you still need me? Will you still feed me <laughs> when I'm sixty? When I'm sixty-four. Will you still You have to dance to this. She's already doing it. She already started. Oh, this is epic. I take that. Yeah. That's awesome. I can take that, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm just gonna let go for a little bit. <laughs> this is awesome. Dance break everyone. If you're listening along, follow us. Three Song Stories on Instagram at Three Song Stories on Facebook at Three Song Stories. If you're dancing with us, tag us. Dance along. Okay, that that happened. was epic. Wow. <laughs> okay. You changed my world. Oh, great. Oh, <laughs> nicely done, Richard. Oh goodness. Wow. Um, concerts. Have you seen many concerts in your day? Yes, hilarious enough. We're just going to come right back to Chicago. Um, my very first concert was Chicago. Where? So, um, it was in. It was it. Uh, George Mason, nineteen eighty six, probably. One with my best friend. She was a Chicago fan. I mean, not many 16-year-olds probably were Chicago fans. I was probably a bit of a nerd. <laughs> um, would that be your peak concert experience? No. Um, I got. I was lucky enough to see you, too, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And then just a couple years ago, I actually, which is probably the most epic concert I went to, got to go to Red Rocks. In Colorado, and saw one of my favorite new bands or newer bands, the Decemberists. Oh wow! I know nice. the Decemberists. Love them. I uh, at least know one of their CDs really well. Oh, uh, you need to check out all of them. They're so good. Got to see them sixth row center at Red Rocks. Holy moly! In Colorado, it was absolutely mind. It was just perfect, perfect scenery, perfect for them. Yeah, I can imagine. It was. Incredible. Was that the last show you saw before we stopped seeing shows? It is. And we were supposed to see them this past summer again in Denver. And it got canceled. Hmm. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? You know, I always 
well, I probably never knew for a while, but um, definitely wanted to perform in some way. Um, since I always danced, you know, musical theater was always embedded into my system, and I loved it. Um, back to those road trips going to Maine. I mean, I told my parents, and they still remind me of this, every single time I, I'd point to the skyline of New York and say, I'm going to be there one day. They thought I was crazy. Um, and then at 18, I went. So you Went know, for school? I went for school in New York City. Mm-hmm. That was the American Musical and Dramatic Academy? It was. How'd that come about? Is that something you had to like really work toward? Oh, my gosh, yes. Um, so, you know, I had a kind of a turning point in middle school. I kind of said, I think I want to try theater. Um, so I auditioned for a children's theater company and got into Oklahoma. was my very first musical. And- oh! Oh, Lord, man. <laughs> my, Wait, my, my, what? I'm compelled to do that. I'm sorry. Oh, my one big line. Why not cow chip? Wow. That was my one big line. Is cow chip a person? No, it's a poop. Oh. No. <laughs> that's a cow. That's a cow patty. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd heard it called that before. I never heard it called cow chip. A cow chip is also a cow poop. Okay. Yep. So I was a cowboy, and I got, I got the bug. I was in seventh grade. Um, auditioned for a couple other things, and then um, my second song, actually, that I chose was um, my first lead in a musical. And it kind of really changed the trajectory. It just kind of changed where I saw myself headed, and that was kind of the big turning point for me wanting to do theater. How How old were you? I was 15. I was just getting ready to go into high school, which is a great time to kind of figure out what you want to do. Um, were you one of the younger kids on the cast or one of the older kids on the cast? I sat right in the middle. There were a couple kids that were in high school and then a co- maybe a couple kids younger than me. But I was lucky enough to be in that. And it was just such a great experience. It, it Being part of a family and being on a stage and the applause and the – I just loved every bit about it. And I could use my dance skills. And Were you a better singer or dancer at that point? Ooh, better dancer. Yeah. Good, yeah. good enough singer, though? Good enough singer. Good enough singer. I still that probably – I struggled with singing. It's probably the – it goes dancing, acting, singing, you know, for me. But I wouldn't call myself a triple threat. But, you know, it was – singing's my weaker thing out of the three. So when – real quick, karaoke? Do you do karaoke? I do sometimes. Okay. You're not afraid to? No. Nah. Well, you dance on stilts. Why would you be afraid to do karaoke? I don't know. Does that even apply? Anyway, I digress. I have sung on stilts. <laughs> um, let's get to your second song. Is it? Uh, did you pick your second song because that was the musical that you were in, or tie that all together? No. So this one, I mean, Princess. So the second song I picked was "Shy" from the musical "Once Upon a Mattress," the one that I was in, and it really kind of was me. She, Princess Winifred was me at the time. I was kind of awkward and kind of figuring out where my place was and. You know, theater kids at the time were kind of geeky, and they were not classified as the popular group. They've, now, come, they've come a long they've way. They've come a long <laughs> way. I mean, it's kind of like the band nerd. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I found my place in that in that company, and it just it, – everything felt right. And, um, you know, Princess Winifred was just this weird, gawky princess who – the prince is looking for a princess, and she swims a moat to get to the castle, and she's crazy. She's a kook. And it was it was me at the time. <laughs> and that song just kind of carried with me 
you know, it just it struck home, and it was a song that I sung for years and years and years and years for auditions and to get into AMDA. That was my audition song. Huh. So that song carries a lot of a lot of memories. Driving to the audition, um, my dad drove me to the audition, and changing into my audition dress at the last rest stop in New Jersey. I mean, I could see the dra- purple dress with black spots on it, and I mean, God, there were like three hundred people there, and I, I just got out on their stage and sang shy. I don't know. Song kind of represents a lot for me, but do you remember being nervous? Oh my god, terrified. Okay. I still I get very very nervous auditioning for things. Okay. Once once I get out there and I'm doing a role or doing I'm fine. It's that audition. I think it's just being I think for a lot of people it's just that being judged. Yeah. You know, you're they're really just looking at you and listening to you and do you fit the part? And it's kind of a. Were you confident that you were going to get in, or were you surprised? I won't uh, pester this much no, longer. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, I was actually shocked because of the number of people that auditioned, and there were only thirty spots. So I mean, there were hundreds of people that auditioned. So, you know, for me to get it was just a humongous accomplishment. I kind of was like, oh, okay. Little did I know that, you know, after you get out, you still have to go and audition for, <laughs> you start over. Right. But. Um, okay, we've got the original 1959 cast, Broadway cast, and then we've got a 64 version with Carol Bur- Burnett, too. Do you have a preference? No preference. Carol Burnett was was the album that I listened to and practiced a lot. It's probably, that must be that 59 cast version. Okay, we're going to listen to it. This is Shy, performed uh, by Carol Burnett in the uh, original 1959 Broadway cast version of the musical Once Upon a Mattress. (laughs) You know every word, clearly. Do you think anybody sat and listened to that whole song? It's a kooky song. No, no, of course. (laughs) Um, uh, When was the last time you auditioned for something? Ooh, um, you know, just a few years ago, actually, I thought I would give it a little bit of a go when I auditioned for broad, for Broadway Palm Season a few years ago. Yeah? Did not make it, but that's okay. But what was, did you do Shy? I did not. <laughs> what I, did you do? I put that one to rest uh-huh. what, what a long the, time ago. What was the routine that you had to come up with? Do you know that? what? I actually did a song, um, I'm Still Here. So, um, I think it's from... Applause, I think. Applause. A little unknown, a little known musical, but I think it was "I'm Still Here." We were uh, so we were just listening to the Broadway like the version. Beth Mil- Midler, "I'm Still Here." That. Um, no, Lauren Bacall. Oh, okay. Uh, Follies. Wait a minute. Oh, I lied. I'm alive. Lauren I'm Bacall. Alive. I'm alive, Lauren Bacall. Um, we were just listening to the Broadway version. Obviously, full orchestration, all that stuff. You were 15, so you know I've been to some middle school plays. Paint a picture of like like how robust the set was. <laughs> was the stage higher than two feet off the cafeteria floor? It was. <laughs> Do you know I was so lucky to be in this theater company. It was you know Northern Virginia. Um, they there was money to go around. So in this that wasn't area. for the sh- for the school. This, this was, was not. This oh. was it was called Children's Performing Arts, and it was a children's performing arts company. And they um, they were really ahead of their time, really kind of investing in the arts. Uh, it was really well done productions, really good sets, really good costumes. Yeah, it was not horrible. I still have a VHS tape of the show, as a matter of fact. 
You need to get that digitized. I need to get that digitized ASAP. But um, So when you went away to college, what was your like major study? What was your goal after college? I wanted to be on Broadway. Yeah. I mean, I really wanted to win a Tony and make it. And so I went to a lot of auditions um, in New York, which are very um, – it's tough. Very – a lot of rejections. And you have to be very – you know, you have to have very thick skin. So I went to a lot of auditions, and <laughs> then I um, finally got a role, and I was in the Secret Garden, which took me on a tour. So I toured with the Secret Garden. What was your role? I played Martha, the um, Mary Lennox, the leads, her housemate, her her caregiver. Were you like, I made it? I did. I totally <laughs> did until the show ended, and then you know. You start all over. <laughs> but it was that was a good run. And it got me out of New York. I definitely needed to get out of New York for a while because, you know, it does weigh you down. How did you wind up here? How long have you been here? I have been in Southwest Florida 11 years. Oh. I, I feel like I probably have known you or of you have been around you at least that entire time. <laughs> probably that entire time because <laughs> I – Gwen would have been four. Or, yes. Yeah. I've seen your daughter many, many times. We've been here 11 years. So I, I met my husband in Raleigh, North Carolina. I happened to wind myself down the coast, and we did some theater together. And I met my husband doing theater. And he was um, his job took us quite a few places. We moved quite a bit when we were first married and eventually landed here. So, What were your first impressions? As somebody it, who's been here for a long, long time. Uh, I loved the weather at first. Very flat because I'd been in a lot of places yeah. that had had lots of – If there's one thing we've got lots of, it's flat. It's flat land. <laughs> I, had a, I I love the beach. So for me, it was a thrill to be close to the beach. I'm the only one in my family that does enjoy the beach. So I do a lot of beach trips by myself. <laughs> How did stilt walking come to be? Wow, that's a wild story. Uh, so, you know, I knew I always wanted to perform. And when my husband's job took us to Orlando, Florida, quite a few years ago, back in 2002, I had auditioned for Disney, thinking, oh, you know, I'll get in the parks and... Play a character or something like that? Yeah, and I definitely don't really fit there. I'm not the ingenue, soft-spoken. I'm definitely... In the musical theater world, I mean, Princess Winifred and very loud and boisterous. So uh -huh. I'm not really their kind of thing. And then I saw an audition for sports entertainers. And I was like, oh, what is this? And I'll back up a little bit. When I was in, when we were in Raleigh, I had been on the Carolina Hurricanes storm squad. They were the cheerleaders and the people that launched T-shirts into the crowd, right, right. got the crowd going. When we moved, I had to say goodbye to that. So I auditioned. I was like, oh, sports entertainment. What is this? So I went and they hired me. And they were at the time, it was Sports Magic team, and they provided at the time all the sports entertainment for all of these huge major, major sporting events. They did halftime shows and mm -hmm. um, I mean, everything from. Of course, that's a thing. I'm thinking, wow, that's interesting world. Yes, but it's yeah, of wild, course it's a world. Like, baseball, all star games. And I mean, we were the fan interaction. And it was very early in the kind of the world of fan interaction, too. So 
they said, well, we also, we also have stilt walkers, and we don't have many females. Would you be interested in learning? What was your first thought? I really have to say, I said, what the hell is a stilt walker? Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I'd always thought maybe I'd run away with a circus as a kid, but I, you know, I don't even know if I knew what they were called then. But so they said, well, you know, we're interactive stilt walkers and we walk. Uh, I was like, okay, well, sure. Why not? So I'm always up for a challenge and I love, I'm through life, I always take a chance and try new things. I'm never afraid to not, you know, try new things. So I was trained to stilt walk by Sports Magic. And that was back in 2002. Was it a difficult thing to learn? You know, it you, really you wasn't. It look easy. I have to say dancing, I, I have great balance. You know, when you first stand up, I mean, I we talked at the beginning. I mean, I, you stand right up at eight feet, two inches yeah. in the air. So, I mean, you're pretty high off the ground. It's a little scary at first. They teach you how to fall, too. You know, you're a relatively short person. I am a real short uh, <laughs> I am. Um, when you're not on your stilts, sometimes do you wish, God, I wish I had my stilts, like when you're in a crowd situation yes, or something. all the time. <laughs> I sometimes think I wish I'd brought them with me to, like, get up over the crowd. But, um, yes, and I do change the smoke detector. But my, my, <laughs> my, number, my number one question when I uh, am on my stilts is, do you hang your own Christmas lights on your stilts? Do you change smoke detector batteries? Do you change lights? I didn't think about the Christmas lights. And of course lights. you do. Of course I do. <laughs> That's I just throw, so smart. I just throw my stilts on and hang my Christmas lights. I so, love that. Hey, Tori, um, in the <laughs> simplest way possible, describe how you fall off of stilts. Like what you how do. How do you get you, off? How do you get off? No, 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 I, well, I, the no, proper she, way to fall. Well, yeah, yeah. You said they teach you how yeah. to fall. In the simplest way possible, can you tell us what you would do if you realized you were going down? Absolutely. So everybody asks, have you ever fallen? So yeah. I have, in 18 years, I have fallen twice. It's a good record. It's you, Yeah, it is. Usually it's um, when you don't, you're not paying attention. Like I fell on a little piece of curb. So they teach you to fall you kind of don't smack to the ground. You kind of have a second to kind of go catch your balance. But you you land on your side. So, you know, if you land going forward, you're going to break your wrists, your elbows, your legs. Pretty much the simplest way I can say is you just you kind of try to roll sideways. Got it. Yeah, because like with roller derby, when I trained mm. for roller derby, mm. you have to learn how to fall yeah. <laughs> properly, you know, because you can very severely, severely hurt yourself. So imagine you're Typically five feet, and now you're eight feet, and you're falling. So sideways, okay. Yeah, and a little known fact like, about me, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. That's ironic. <laughs> I, the only place I'm That's not... That's like an Alanis Morissette line. Isn't yeah. that weird? <laughs> I mean, everywhere, stilts, I have no problem being off the ground. When I'm on a ladder, I start shaking like a leaf. Huh. Sports magic, when we... I had to work for the Orlando Magic. And we had to go to the rafters way, way high and drop all these balloons. I was literally trembling, shaking when I could see down through the grates to the ground. I, you could dunk a basketball. Probably could. <laughs> we need that video. <laughs> I have one. <laughs> I do have one. Um, if you had to guess, how many balloon animals have you created in your life? And which would be the one that you would like, like to retire? If there is one. I, millions. <laughs> I have made millions. Well, if it tells you anything in a typical balloon shipment that I order every few months, I order probably 8,000 balloons. Whoa. 
Wow. I mean, when I when I worked for Sports Magic, they took care of my balloons. <laughs> so that was a whole different. But my one that I would probably like to retire that I kids ask me for all the time is a stupid cat. I hate making cats. Why? It's more twist than I want to twist, and they pop all the time. It's got the least return on investment. I hate it. <laughs> I should just leave it out Balloon of my ROI. <laughs> I should probably leave it out of my my uh, repertoire. How, um, how I'm trying to ask how to ask the, or think how to ask this. Um, you started in 2002, so that yeah. was kind of like early days of the internet, not really YouTube yet. How has the internet changed how you do your making animals? Because it seems like you could suddenly like learn how to make a bunch of new kinds of animals. Oh, absolutely. So when I first started, part of me learning to stilt walk was they taught us how to make a good, huge group of balloons. And part of what I did, part of Sports Magic, was working at Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. So we had to make the parrot hats and the shark fin hats. And so they taught us how to do that. Really, I didn't start looking at making new things until I started my own business here, really. And then as kids start to ask me. Do you have any originals? Like way too tall Tory original? Not really. <laughs> you know, I consider myself a better stilt walker than I am a balloon artist. I'm a, I'm a darn good balloon artist, but I'm a way better stilt walker. Um, I've never really created anything on – I probably should. You know, there's so many things out there. So now I look at YouTube. You know, for a while, unicorns were huge, and I didn't know how to make one. So you just jump on YouTube, and I go through it a few times and practice it. And The twists are basic. Once you learn the twist, then it's... Right. Yeah. I'm going to recommend you try to make a skunk ape. I could totally try to make a skunk ape. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Let me get on that. Okay, it's time for your third song. Oh, Margaritaville by Jimmy Buffett. I absolutely had to pick this song because this is... Um, oh, this drums up every bit of my memories over the last 18 years. You know, when I thought I wasn't going to really perform anymore and then... I got lucky to be a stilt walker and working for Sports Magic. I mean, I was really sucked in. I did. I knew a little Jimmy Buffett, but once you start working for him, it's it's a whole different ball game. You know, it's a fun environment and warm and crazy, and his fans are nuts. And it just brings back this song for me, Margaritaville. Every single night I worked in his restaurant, we had to get the crowd up, going, moving. Um, and singing to the song and dancing to the song. So really like my moves on stilts and me kind of learning really how to interact is this song, you know. And I was lucky enough with this skill and it's such an odd skill and not many people do it for me to go on and have my own company. I mean, right. who would have ever, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, well, you're going to be a stilt walker and you're going to own your own business, I would have said, I have, you know, are you nuts? I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, did you get to? Was he around? Like, did you? I have met him on several occasions. His band used to show up sometimes. I was at City Walk Margaritaville. That was one of the the gigs that Sports Magic Which had. Which is in where? Uh, you know, uh, Orlando. Orlando. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So he did. He came and he would surprise the crowd once in a blue moon, and that's also um, where I got my name. Way too tall, Tori. The um, we would have live musicians every night playing out on the porch of indecision and one of the musicians that i just loved sunny jim he would always say it's way too tall tori in the house and it stuck 
So this song for me is is good stuff. Well, let's listen to it. Uh, this let's is do it. Uh, Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett from uh, his 1977 album Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes. Oh, good times. I could see you on the stilts. I could oh, totally boy. see it. With the margarita. What were you wearing? You know, we Did had they these, have a uniform. We had fantastic costumes, mostly parrots all over them with little tiny bolero jackets. And oh my, and we'd have these huge salt shakers and we would get people in the crowd up doing salt, salt. Oh. Well, yeah, well, you were doing something with your hands at one point. Was oh, that yeah. what it was? That was our salt shakers. <laughs> Did the restaurant have an extremely high. Ceiling, so you, you had all the clearance you needed. <laughs> and there were three of us a night, so it was so fun. I mean, we would just, oh, I still am very close contact with all of my still walking friends up there. Huh. You know, uh, Jimmy Buffett people, some people give him grief for being like an overplayed or whatever. That's that you're never going to get that. That's you, you've got. Do you listen to Jimmy Buffett in general? I mean, or is it that song is a. Uh, you know, I will tell you, after working in his restaurant for the years that I did, I can't listen to too much of it outside of it <laughs> because they play it. I mean, you're you're in the restaurant three they, hours a night. Do they play other than him music or is it just him? It was him because they would show these huge videos of his concerts. And, I mean, these people were hardcore fans that I would guess come. if you're in there, yeah, that's what you're in there for. Oh, you're there for him. So when I left the restaurant, I didn't. But I will tell you, when it comes up on the radio, I'm all in. I mean, I'm singing and, you know, doing the moves and – you know, you're okay with the organic take of it. You just don't. Well, you might not go looking. I wouldn't go yeah, looking. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I went at the it, at Universal Studios. There's a Men in Black ride, and they just play oh, yes. that Will Smith song over and over again. And it's actually it's an okay song, but like I just feel so bad for the employees there. They must hate that song. Oh my gosh! I mean, you learn to tune it out a bit. Yeah, I guess it yeah. becomes that delirious love, though, doesn't it? Because it's like because love. now it's like I love it so much, but I also maybe simultaneously don't. But yeah, it's just no. like you can't help but fondly think back on it. I love it. It's that. just like imagine eating a whole cheesecake and then and then somebody putting a slice of cheesecake. Mike, oh, put a pinch in this because we'll just keep going. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's truly, I mean, whenever I hear his song, I'm instantly, you know, excited and whatever. But, you know, it's, yeah. Uh, do you have like a peak uh, stilt walking gig that you've done? Something really neat, someplace you got to go? Yeah. People you oh, got for to meet? Sure. Absolutely. Um, there's a couple. When I worked for Sports Magic, I was so lucky because part of their their gig and I was one of two female stilt walkers, so they would usually send two girls and two guys. I was lucky enough for quite a few years to go to baseball all-star games, NCAA Final Four. Got to meet Billie Jean King, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Got a, I've got a picture with her, actually. Um, Cheryl Crow was at the NHL All-Star Game when it was here in Sunrise back in 2003, maybe. Those were... Um, Boy, those were the days. They even sent us to Canada. We did Canadian football. <laughs> did you know that was a thing? I did. I mean, <laughs> did <you>? in principle. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever scare kids to death? Absolutely. <laughs> um, Seems like some kid, like one out of 80 or something, you know, would just be like, oh, I'm getting out of here. My daughter would probably kill me. She might, We have to skip this part if she listens to this podcast. My daughter was absolutely terrified of me on stilts until she was about three. Wow. <laughs> terrified. Oh, oh, oh. That my, was probably hard to navigate. My poor husband could not bring her to Margaritaville. Oh. She would see me and absolutely scream bloody murder. 
There are children that I scare. But, you know, I usually look pretty friendly. But, you know, there are those kids that just she's really weirdly tall. And well, yeah, no, there's just something unnatural about very what's unnatural. going on. Uh, there have been over the years a few kids that I've scared, but mainly my poor child. Do you, do you ever um, do you ever leverage your stilts at Halloween? Do you ever, like, have a tall-based costume or anything like that? I don't. Okay. You know, I work so hard mm. in other parts so that, that that's the one holiday that I actually take off and I over the years when I once I've had kids that's the one holiday I love hmm. I mean I've got a closet full of costumes so it's fun for me to dress up and not be on stilts so I really almost never stilt walk on Halloween if you were a championship wrestler what song would you come in on and would you be oh. on stilts or not I would totally be on stilts. Are you should, kidding they me? They should start, a, the ring, they should start an entire oh. stilts <laughs> wrestling league. I love that. I would take them down. So I what, would what take them down. What song would you be coming in on? Probably Long Tall Sally. No, uh, <laughs> Rocky Lake, a hurricane. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would your wrestling name be? It can't be way too tall. Tenacious Tory. I don't know. Uh, uh, what would be a really terrible, crazy name? Terrifying Tory. I don't know. Something ominous. <laughs> um, if you were a cocktail or a drink, what it would be? What would it be? Ooh, these are tough questions. Yeah, we've reached the random part of the show. Whoa. <laughs> Maybe inconsequential is the hard one. <laughs> How about a Long Island ice? No. Um, a, a, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> a, lo- a, lemon- a tall Long Island yeah. iced a tea. A tall Tory tea. A tall Tory tea. Which is a Long Island iced tea? Yeah. Oh, I any, love that. Any twist to it to make it yours? Yeah, we'll do a twist of, uh, I don't know. What's my favorite? A little splash of fresca. Ooh, <laughs> fresca. Yeah, in, in a very tall glass. In a very tall, tall glass. Yes, I imagine a Collins glass. Yes, Richard. Cool. Uh, do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you would sing with us? Absolutely. Are you kidding like me? Like what? Okay, first of all, we didn't even talk about that part of my world. I was grew up 70s, 80s, so I, like, Brady Bunch, uh, The Love Boat, um, I don't know if we've done the Brady Bunch, surprisingly. What? That is so surprising to me. We've never done, no one has ever mentioned the Brady Bunch. I mean, the I facts of life. Are you That's kidding me? Um, you know, I Love Lucy. Oh, my God. MASH. I mean, I could sing all of them. Well, which should we sing together? Should we do know. Brady Bunch? Let's do Brady Bunch. Yeah. I think maybe we have, but not in at least a very long How's time that go? I can't remember. Oh, Here's a story. Oh, no, I'm kidding. It's already in my head. <laughs> a man named Brady. I'm like, I know that, right? Uh, there it is. <laughs> oh, let's do this. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm, I must say, for this, because we, we, you do not know how many blank stares we get. <laughs> well, I mean... I don't watch TV. Like, what do you mean? The television? I don't know. You've got to be kidding me. I I mean, you know, in the summertime, I sat in front of the TV. I watched everything from Leave It to Beaver to, oh, my God. Are you ready? Are you ready, kids? Let's do this. <laughs> yes. Here's a story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold like their mother. The youngest one in curls. Here's a story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. Oh dear. They were four men living all together. Yet they were all alone. Till the one day when the lady met this fellow. Much more than a hundred. Here we go. This group must somehow form a family. That's the way we all became the Brady Bunch. 
the Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch. That's the way they became the Brady Bunch. Oh, you know what? No. That's the first one that we've done with a guest where everyone knew every word. I messed up a few of them, okay? Let's be honest, but it's all right. I mean. Oh, well. We're covering for you. I was the worst in that I one. mean, who doesn't know that theme? Love that movie. Oh, oh, man. I haven't actually sang that, though, out loud, and I cannot remember. Oh, Ooh. man. Nicely done. That I got to good. interview Greg Brady once. I love Greg Brady. He was, uh, he was doing like a musical review tour, and I got to talk to him on the Get phone. Get out. And it was a proud moment for me as an early days interviewer because I thought he's been interviewed a gazillion times. I've got him for 10 minutes. How can I get his attention? And I thought... And my first question was, when was the last time you were asked a question you've never been asked before? (gasps) And he just paused and he's like, well, besides that one, it's probably been 20 years. And it was like, woo, I got Greg Brady. What's his real name, Richard? I forget. Hold on. Um, Uh, Barry Williams. Barry Williams. There you go. I could probably tell you the whole cast. Um, If you could learn an instrument instantly, which would it be? Oh, the piano. Yeah. Oh, I wish I could play the piano. That's my biggest regret. Yeah, not not picking one and sticking to it. I would I played the flute for a very very brief time in middle school. Me too. But <laughs> very brief. Oh, I wish that or the guitar, but I really wish because then I could have accompanied myself. Right. Hmm. It would have made it would have made auditioning a lot easier. Could you you could walk around with like a guitar on your stilts? That'd be oh, you'd that'd be, be cool. super powerful. You know, you should get some bagpipes, eight yeah. foot yes. two bagpiper, <laughs> or a trumpet. I should go out and like play the national anthem on my with a trumpet. Um, are there any songs you'll avoid listening to? Hmm. Nope. No. No. No styles of music that you'll avoid listening to. You know, I'm not a huge country fan. Okay. But, you know, other than that, my dad loved classical. Gosh, that was something else for my child. He, he was a big classical music guy, too. Um, country is probably the only genre, honestly, out of everybody in my family. Nobody's really listened to country. Hmm. Um, best album of all time. Oh, for real. Do I have to pick one? Um, boy, the I'm probably gonna have to say Sergeant Pepper. Probably the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper. If you could broadcast a song into the head of everyone on the planet simultaneously, which would you choose? Night swimming. Night swimming. Night swimming. Who's that by? Uh, <laughs> is that a real song? It is. Night swimming. Isn't that <laughs> REM? I don't know. I think it's REM. Yes. Or beautiful day. It's, it's, it's REM. Beautiful day. Okay. You too. You too is a beautiful day. Yeah. It's funny yeah. that your two, your two choices are night swimming and beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, day and night. Night swimming. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? You know, she would be super proud. I really think she would be proud. Because my 14-year-old gawky, awkward self who hadn't figured out where she fit would say she found her way. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's time to recommend three people. Can it be anybody? Anybody. You know, there's a couple musical theater people that I'd be really interested to see what influences music have, has had on them. Wait, 
Do they? Do you know them? Yeah, they have to be people. No, they got to be people I know. Yeah, they got to be people you can share the episode with. This is our marketing scheme. Okay, this could be tough. Probably. I don't know. Uh, Who are you most likely to share this with? You know, my family for one, but let me think. Uh, you know, I'd be interested actually to to find out. She probably has already been on Lydia Black, who is yep. with Alliance for the Arts. Yes. Yeah, she has she been on? Yeah, she was our second episode. Oh, because she's <laughs> such a neat artistic person in this community. You know who's been around a long time, and she's friends with me on Facebook, and I absolutely adore her writings, and maybe she's been on too, is Stephanie Davis. She's been on. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're good company. Oh, my gosh. I'm in good company. You, oh, you know who's somebody? <laughs> to, I hope it's someone that we already have had on. <laughs> okay. If, seriously, if it is, I'm done. Um, Jim, and he's a trumpet player. He plays the national anthem all over the country. Oh. That's perfect. Very. He good. lives here? He lives in Southwest Florida. He lives in, I believe, Estero. Well, put us in touch with him. Share this with him. Jim is a wonderful guy. He um he has, I think, his claim to fame is he play has played the trumpet national anthem in every baseball park Whoa. Whoa. in the country. Yeah, wow. He's phenomenal. And I, of course, met him doing stilts. We were at the same events over and over and over. We became Facebook friends. Well, when this comes out, tag him. I will absolutely tag and him. And he sounds like a perfect He guest. will be a great person because he's a mu- huge music lover, musician, great guy. I'm going to leave you off the hook for the other two. But if you, like, on the way home, somebody pops into your head, you could send me a message. I mean, you know, you've already got two people that I've already – I would have thought of in a second. We've got a good guest list. That's a pretty good guess. We've covered though. the guests pretty good. Okay, Richard, last question. question okay, this is, the, this is the hard question. Um, so, Tori, of the three songs that you brought today for, for us to listen to and think about, you have to choose between them for these. One of those songs gets to live forever. It will never be forgotten or you know fall out of listening for people. The second song, you have to choose to be the only song you get to listen to for the rest of your life. Anytime you listen to music... That's the song you have to listen to. And the third song will be erased from having existed. So like anything it's attached to, memories, any of that stuff, that didn't happen the same way because the song wasn't there. Go. Wow. Okay. So can we do the third one first? Absolutely. Okay. So the one erased from memory, I would probably have to say shy. Only because it's loud and goes on forever. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if I could listen would, to that would one. Would the musical make sense without that song in it? Oh, probably not. Oh, you'd break the. Musical. You know what? Then we better we better go with Margaritaville. Ah, because I can live with some other Jimmy Buffett. It makes me so sad. I heard a million souls <laughs> sighing. Yeah, I'm like this. Make that makes there's, me so sad. There's gonna be a lot of parrot heads. Are like seriously, lady? Um, maybe they would have never existed. Maybe they never. Oh. I mean, that's a big. That's but then a big. That means a lot for stilts. That is true. That's true. That's true. But we did have the volcano song and many others. <laughs> and maybe there's, it's too complicated. There's many others. I love it. Number two, the one that I've got to play over and over. It's yeah. It just becomes It's music. the only one you get to hear. You know what? Because there's a bunch of variation and crazy different stuff in the song, 25 or 624. Awesome. I can handle that one a gazillion times because of the horns and everything else that happens in there. 
Okay. Well, you did it. Do you have any final thoughts? No, that was a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you thank so you. much. But I know y'all wanted that 808. Can you feel that B-A-S-S bass? But I know y'all wanted that 808. Can you feel that B-A-S-S We make free song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and periodic host. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. But I know y'all wanted that 808. This week's parting tune came to me in my kitchen the other night when some NPR show played part of a song that I hadn't heard in years, and when it hit my ears, I was instantly transported back to my old friend and former co-worker's couch playing Tiger Woods 2005, the golf video game. Hap and I spent many hours competing on the virtual greens, lots of good times, and pretty much the last time I did any console gaming, or gaming of any kind really, I grew up on the golf course, and that damn game did such a great job of capturing the essence of playing golf. And this song, The Way You Move by Outcast, will always remind me of it because it was the menu screen music that played endlessly. Although when I looked it up on YouTube and listened, I realized I only knew the hook, I Like the Way You Move, which kicks in about 43 seconds into the song, and none of the rest of it. Good times. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Little me took the microphone and said, don't believe anything she says. (laughs) And I walked away.